Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey all, for this and some other episodes, if you want to see the unedited video of the Zoom call, go to patreon.com slash philosophyimprov and sign up for a small per-episode donation. This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. My name is Bill Arnett, an improv acolyte, curious about lighting my philosophy flame. This is Mark Linsenmeyer. I'm uh, an improv flamer. That's not the right word. I like the lighting of the flame thing. I think I've got the flame going for philosophy. I'm trying to hook up some sort of uh, fuse to get that to blow up the improv as well. And our special guest, Rachel, your intro cannot possibly be more awkward than mine was. Please proceed. <laughs> I'm that guy who stole flame and gave it to humans. Prometheus. Yes, that's who I am. I like that. We've talked about having people coming on as characters. I didn't even pitch that to you. <laughs> I do sometimes feel like improv is a torch that we pass on to each other. So I'm really Rachel Mason, but in a sense, all improv teachers are Promethei, Prometheus assistants. Mm-hmm. And as a quick biographical note, Rachel is a long toothed improviser who's worked with all the greatest and say old. Didn't say old. <laughs> she could have been doing it from a fetal stage. There we go. She could be doing it not just straight through the line of her life, but with density and twisting this way and that. And so now it all I'm builds fat up. and old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> but not only as a performer and teacher, but also has worked in the offices and training center directors at all the big theaters in Chicago and has a fantastic perspective and outlook that has done every job from getting off that bus from Iowa, metaphorically, all the way to training center directors at IOs and Second Cities and everything in between. Yep. I am honored. We are in a recording format here where supposedly I brought in something to talk about and Bill brought in something to talk about, but we don't just tell you what these things are. They just sort of are supposed to come up organically, which means we can change our mind at any point. Sounds very confusing. At the end of it, you will be asked, Rachel, as the guest, because our other mechanisms of, of judging this, there's a versus in the title. So it's a contest. So keep in mind which of these lessons is most profoundly shaking you at your core so that we can decide which one wins at the end. That contest, which, as you would know, was at the very beginnings of Chicago's long-form improv scene, was quickly realized to be... Antithetical to our art form? <laughs> well, I've tried to tell that to Mark, and I think he may slowly be... <laughs> However, it has become a fun... It's the selling point. It's a fun extended bit. We have gone through that looking glass and then back through to post-sub-reactionary irony. I think 50% of our listeners fast-forward through the episode just to get to <laughs> who, keep who score wins at the end. They just want the highlight reel. Yeah. I'm excited. That sounds thrilling. <laughs> I did have for when I started my music interview podcast, which is this, this is the fourth podcast. That was the second podcast. I had some people who were friends of mine saying, I fast forwarded through the song so I could hear you talk to the person. And I was like, that's the format. What are you? So if people, I hope they saw something philosophical. Oh, they're doing a scene. Let's fast forward through that. The, the scenes are supposedly a way to help, among other things, investigate ideas from the inside. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I can start us off with an improv scene. That's fine. Or of discussing something that comes out of your shared experience with Rachel and the kind of stuff that, you know, whatever yes. would help you make today special. Let's dive in. This is less a philosophical thing. Maybe there's, I'm sure there's some philosophy in it. I'm sure we can drill down and find some philosophy in here. But this is more of a, I don't like tool belt analogies. I'm going to say that right out flat. But this is kind of a tool belt analogy thing. But it's less about, well, here's a problem, a discrete problem with a discrete solution that I, as an improviser, I'm supposed to, in the moment, 
recognize the discrete problem with its little boundaries and then select the perfect tool to repair that. You know, I don't buy into all that. But what I do like are little tricks and things that create some chaos, create some unexpectedness, create some fun. What's about to happen? I don't know either, but we can constructively work around it with hilarious results. But all I need to start this first improv scene is for someone else to begin the scene verbally. Go ahead. If you'd like, if you'd like to be Rachel, feel free to. This is a three-person scene. Oh yes. This will be. This is a three top. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You guys. uh... Yeah, I know. We're taking forever with lunch. Okay. Can you hurry up? Like. We're taking forever with our lunch, and she wants us to get back back at it. You guys, you know, I give you. I try not to bust your balls, but I I like you. But you're taking advantage of my my goodwill here. It's just that Jerry over here made a great chili, okay? And we were just going through. Why didn't you say, give me a bowl? Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Give me some chili. Sit down, sit down. Have some, uh, I mean, I, I used up most of the first batch, but, you know, the second batch was almost as good. Why don't you the just. The beans uh, in this chili? You know, real chili don't got beans. But we've had that discussion. That, that, took, that took 20 minutes. That's why you're late? Well, that was the first breeze, but then we got on to other things. Huh. What about other vegetables? Are there other vegetables and chilies? Onions? besides? Onions? Onions. Onions and peppers. Corn. I'm not a fan of the corn and chili. How about chunky tomato? Fan. Okay. Well, this is why we're late. So get your bowl, get a spoon. Oh, this is good. Yeah. This, mm. The second batch, I was kind of experimenting. Mm. So. Is there, you pour beer in this? Did you run out of liquid and need to put beer? Mm. I mean, it is highly alcoholic, uh, more so than the first batch. I like Guinness sometimes, but like a real cheap beer, like a PBR. Um, it's sort of homebrewed. You normally use it for like getting paint off something kind of, uh, Jerry, you make a moonshine. I mean, what if you got to call it that it's, it's a micro brew move over chili. Let's talk about this. No, no, let's not. You kombucha making idiot. No. Anyone who homebrews already idiot. Wow. Wow. You see why we're taking so long. These are the kind of topics that keep coming up. I got to have something. Working all day. I don't want to hobby shame nobody. You keep making your paint thinner. This chili is delicious. Thank you. It's got the alcohol content. Sure. It's got the meat. Now the meat, again, a little bit homebrewed. Jerry, don't, don't, don't. Where's the meat from, Jerry? You're going to tell me this is roadkill? No, no, no. no, kill you. No, no. It's sort of, uh, you know. Venison? Duck? Engineered? It's sort of, uh, you know, you take like a meat seed. And you kind of grow an animal, but that doesn't have a brain. That's What's just that, like a uh, fantastic meat, uh, the made up meat. Wonder impossible. Meat. Wonder yeah, meat. Impossible. impossible. Yeah, no, meat. no, that's made from vegetables. This is actual meat. This is uh, definitely dead tissue of some sort with the sort of kind of the Frankenstein, the lightning kind of thing to get, you know, because you got to. I'm getting a real zombie vibe. And I think you guys should wrap this up and get back to work. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking I need a. Induce vomiting. If I'm, yeah, some, yeah. if you're doing some kind of weird animal husbandry oh hobby, God. like, are you last of using us? I mean, there is fungus involved. It is, I won't lie. It oh. is not, it's not just a let the meat and nature in its natural way come together. It involves some sort of playing God and extending my will onto the meat through. The medium of uh, you lost me at playing God. I can't with the the follies of men. Okay, we got like three pallets of drywall to hang. Okay, and and that's, here we are talking I'm about. Saying. I'm like, well, what's your cumin, your, your chili powder ratio? And you're holding back on zombie meat. You got to lead with that. As, as far as the spices go, again, it's not your traditional store bought spices. It's sort of grown cultivated uh, you know that's some of where with the fungus that i was mentioning is, is coming in get back to work lunch <laughs> is over get back to work all right if you want the recipe i mean i no. it, it's uh, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement but uh i'd be willing to provide it for uh at least so you can provide it to your doctor in case uh, Jerry, you know, something goes wrong you're getting an hr complaint right now this is an hr complaint all right yeah. let's, let's get yeah. back to work. sharing frank do you feel safe in this work environment because i am i am a witness Thank you. I do not feel safe. And thank you for recognizing my unsafetyness. 
maybe I feel unsafe by not having my creative endeavors respected. Maybe that you makes hang me fucking drywall, dude. I mean, that's not all I am. I'm a, I'm a three dimensional God playing uh home. I mean, there's a lot of burning of things involved. There's really, I, I, I think pyromaniac might be the not uh, only is lunch over jerry get your hard hat and get the hell out of here okay i don't want to deal with this hr shit you you are shit canned which is where i'm gonna be after tasting this chili all right people of the future on the one hand might uh, go their own way and the people of the past can stay here and put up the driveway so uh what you, you all just uh, live in your little small worlds not exploring the boundaries of human experience and but, you know, you got a glimpse of it through the chili and you enjoyed the chili, right? You did. You need to warn a person before they put manipulated protein into their face. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter was a fantastic cook. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I just I considered the T-shirt enough of a warning. I got to sort of straighten it out here. But you can see the home smoked, homegrown, home brewed, homemade, home pied. That doesn't imply Frankenstein meat. <laughs> so you can go home right now. All right. All and right. me and Frank will hang the rest of this drywall. Yay, we All did right. it. Scene over. <laughs> I recall that scene. What is in the chili? All the scenes must have titles. I, I think from now on. It helps the, the listeners with a more chili? philosophical bent chili. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is way beyond beans or not. Well, so ordinarily, I try to sneak the philosophy into the scene. The thing that I came in with, I did not sneak into that whatsoever. So can I get Rachel as the more, she's the more experienced improviser over. She was in charge of you, Bill. Is that right? We finally that have your superior on the show. So, Rachel, well, I want to hear your feedback on how you thought that scene went. And uh, like I said, your commentary on small mindedness was interesting. But I like in the world of education and Bill and I have talked about this a lot. Like you can't just throw people into things. So the idea of not telling somebody that they are about to eat something that is not what they thought it is made me like, like really worried. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta tell somebody, like, what if I had an alcohol problem? You gave me chili with beer in it and something else. <laughs> yes. Trigger warnings, not trigger warnings, but like boundary warnings. That idea of like, I'm going to put you in a situation outside your comfort zone. Yeah. You understand how uncomfortable this might be. So it's, <laughs> the onus is on you to make sure people are adequately. Yes. <laughs> I'm feeding you dead people. In rubbing alcohol. <laughs> like you, you need to warn a sister. Did you, were you able to, I hope it wasn't too abrupt to discern what I might have been doing in all of its details, but we can do several scenes and you may get a chance to do it. I, my comedy partner is Susan Messing. Which anyone listening to the improv from the improv world is clapping and hooting at that. She's name. a goddess and a queen. And I'm so lucky to call her my friend and partner. And wife, she, T.J. Jagodowski said this about her and he hates when I repeat it, but I'm going to. He says that playing with Susan is like playing with a broken fast pitch machine. You never know what speed or direction it's going to come from. So like through my years of playing with her, I've become sort of an unflappable. So the second you were like, I'm sorry, we're late. I was like, oh, okay, we're late and we're eating meat. I'm like, okay, we're eating meat. Like playing with Susan has really taught me to see like joy and possibility in things rather than like, oh my God, what are we doing? Yeah. A lot of people can take a very cookie cutter approach to improv when they're starting out. And that makes sense. A recipe book. Just, I've never done this before. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. But then the following of the recipe becomes the goal. And if I'm not following the recipe, then I must be doing it wrong. What? Not realizing that, yeah, that the recipe is simply there to get, hopefully get you comfortable. But right. Good chefs mess with the recipe a little bit, unless it's baking. Baking is a science. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Just like chili. Just like chili. <laughs> Personally, I have come to enjoy a very vegetable heavy chili as yeah. a reason to get me to eat my vegetables. Three bean chili. Yes. The best. Yes. And I'll put lima beans in there, butter beans, corn, anything to get me eating vegetables <laughs> and if it means dousing it in ground beef and chili peppers and, and red sauce well I was, then i was serious about corn how dare you 
put corn in your chili. It's and I, butter beans. You gotta use. Oh, come on, come on. Red beans, pinto beans, black beans. Tastes like little balls of wax. So it sounds like what we're talking about is a substance that is defined not by what it's actually made of, because it could have beans, it could have vegetables, it could be mostly 95% meat, but merely by the chili spice. Absolutely. Yeah. How much other stuff can you add to chili before it stops being chili? It's just a stew. Yeah. At what point is it like spicy vegetable soup? A rose by any other name (laughs) would cause you to toot. Is chili then a more of a, a functional category than like an actual type of food? It is something that serves a role. Like I'm hungry for chili. I think if we were Texans, there like people would be like, that is not chili. You know what I mean? Like they really are like meat. Snobs about what is and mm-hmm. what isn't. I think we should have let Texas secede twice. <laughs> you know, I've talked to people in Texas and they have, you know, a particular uh, sort of QAnon following fellow that I used to play in a band with and he holds that I forget the details but Texas supposedly according to him is not actually part of the United States that they didn't sign something that was necessary so they don't have to secede they're already their own thing sure I don't okay. Do you want to know the craziest <laughs> thing I ever learned in my adult life is that six flags over Texas the amusement park like yay six flags is the sixth flags of imperial colonialism that they flew over the Confederate flag, the Spanish flag. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. I can't remember the other flags. The United States, their own flag. I think France uh-huh. may have owned them for a while. They may have, you know, like, sure. You know, some weird treaty in 17, or whatever gave them, gave France, Texas for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, what is and what isn't chili is similar to what is and what isn't pizza. And Rachel, as someone from New York lives in Chicago, mm-hmm. it's a little tired. It's played. Chicago style pizza isn't pizza, which you and I would both know that there's actually several pizzas in Chicago. Right. There's tavern style, deep yes. dish, deep dish with a cornmeal crust. The stuffed like, with a layer on top of the pizza. Stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I love food. Put it <laughs> Why categorize it? Why in it my face? But that's another great trivia fact is that pizza is sort of a bastardization of, of Piatti plate. And it used to be just a thing to fold to eat the thing on top of it, at least back in ancient Rome. Okay. Like pita. Or the Ethiopian spongy shamwow bread. I love love that stuff. So in in Catholic Rome, is there such a thing as transubstantiated pizza? So that it it retains the properties of pizza, but because it's gone through the ritual, it's actually the body of Christ. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, absolutely not. I just, we're playing with things where its essence and its properties might be different. The essence of the chili should be, is it meat? Is it vegetables? Is it beans? But clearly, no, it's this nominal category of chili and pizza is a little more defined than that. But, you know, it seems like you could, there are, they are do pizza drink a lot factors. of wine in Italy. So like wine, body of Christ, like daily holiness in your diet. Why not? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, Mark, this whole idea of how we define things or don't define things comes up in philosophy a lot, I'm presuming. (laughs) Sure. What's real is still being debated. You know, we've talked before about idealism, Bill. Do you remember what idealism is? Uh, when someone's ideal, when someone has ideals. (laughs) As a metaphysical position. Rachel, I didn't even ask you if you've taken any philosophy classes, if this is all, does the term idealism as a, as a metaphysical position mean anything to you? (laughs) <laughs> we got a face for anyone listening we, we have a, a face metaphysical position in other words it's not an you ed- mean 69 <laughs> is that a metaphysical position yeah. so i mean there's idealism in like an ethical sense where oh you're just such an idealist you're seeking greatness you you want everything to be something like that but idealist as a metaphysical position is the idea is that everything is made of ideas, is that everything is really in our heads somehow. I mean, it's a shared world, so I guess it's in all okay, of our heads. Okay, Descartes. So, <laughs> so like if you're in the Matrix, we're sharing all this stuff, but oh, it's all data. So you could say it doesn't matter. We're both eating the same sandwich. I don't care if it's a actually a material sandwich or if it's a computer sandwich. It's filling right, me everything's up. Everything's made out of the same atoms. Sure. You know, that's a functionalist answer. In other words, like in the future, everything will just be called food. 
Yeah. You want the red food or the blue food? Mm. Uh-huh. I'll take those. I mean, it really isn't everything just food of different levels of edibility. I mean, there's some food that like. Yeah, you could eat a shoe. Yeah. But it's it just, ain't it's, food. It's not good. It's a bad food. <laughs> but I would still consider like if you're starving, you'd start gnawing on that. I mean, if it's a nice leather shoe, there's probably some good juices in there. Boil it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get some like olive a, oil on that shoe. Like a 500-year-old mm-hmm. like sailor trying to avoid scurvy or mm-hmm. eating their shoes and belts. Is it wrong when I'm on a plane, I look around to see who I would eat first? <laughs> well, at least you're thinking who you would eat first. I'm thinking more about who would I kill to claim power. <laughs> the thing is that... Like, by, who are my threats? By the time that you're like in such a bleary state that you would actually need to be eating people, you're not going to remember that. So you should label them. You should uh, make make little signs and like, would you mind just wearing this number one? What does it mean? Nothing. Just you're number one. Congratulations. Yeah. You're the ideal. <laughs> yeah. Does this metaphysical idealism, does it come up in our, our lives? Does it shake us? Does it shape us? You know what I'm saying? Are there moments in, in life where? Well, yeah, the best scene and the best improviser and the best parent and best sibling and. Oh, boy. As. Yeah. Three parents and people with varying child ages, a lot, a lot of advice about how to raise those children and how to do it best and how to do that right. But that thing about idealism, right? It, like we all know that each of our children need to be raised differently. Yeah. Like there isn't one way to raise a child. I guess you could say with kindness, but like that's. What does that mean? Right? <laughs> yeah. That's it, it, abs- it, as abstract as anything. Yeah. I and mean, if you're about to run into traffic, the kind thing for me to do would be to tackle you, you know, and like, you don't go to traffic. Yeah. Well, and if you think that somehow what we perceive as brute matter is really somehow mind stuff, that makes the whole like mind over matter, you know, the idealism in the ethical sense. Think what you want the world to be. And then it will become, you know, it makes that a little less crazy. Like if it's all just kind of code. Yeah. If it's all code, then. We should be able to hack it. Yeah, maybe in a way that if it's really just. Then it's not code because we would have done that already. (laughs) Well, I guess there's got to be some kind of intersection between well, everything is just ideas. But then we're also limited, I would say, by some, you know, matter is matter and cannot be created or destroyed, you know, and we may have an idea of what to call it, but that seems more like just an artifact of culture and language more so than something that's inherent in the world around us. I'm into that. Well, one of the reasons you might want to say that matter really isn't just matter is because it's hard to think about how something mental, like my wanting something, my intention could actually cause anything. Like how does my wanting to move my arm actually move my arm? Like we can talk about the physiology but somehow there has to be either what we think about as mental is really just physical stuff or it's the other way around. Somehow we got to smooth out. So it's not a, like a jarringly different kind of stuff is trying to cause something else. You know, why do I feel pain from being hit? I would like to blame capitalism for most of our problems. <laughs> I really general. would because it's like work through the pain and get more and better and learn the next thing to get to the next level. and. What you have isn't good enough. Like right now, there's a movement where it's like reclaim peace, reclaim like a work life balance, like a separation. Like it feels like we're starting to need to define more boundaries in this day and age. Do you guys know about the NAP ministry? Tell us. Uh oh. The NAP ministry? The NAP ministry. It's a largely POC movement started by a woman of color. And the big flack was like the luxury to relax. Like who has the time to take a nap? And they're like, it's holy and important. Sleep is when we heal and rest and process. It's divine. And I was like, I can get into that. I may have been an adherent without realizing it. (laughs) (laughs) Is the siesta culture of the Latin American countries that have this, is that a thing to be emulated or does that actually make it too uniform? Like, I don't want to have to nap at two o'clock or whenever the siesta is. I want to be able to get lunch at two o'clock, but everything's fucking close. (laughs) Rude. Let's stop for a second because I want to tell you about 
a different podcast. Have you ever wondered how to make a shrunken head or why there was a cat floating up in space in 1963 or just what it takes for a monkey to become an astronaut? Did you know that a snarky swearing parrot ruined Andrew Jackson's funeral and that a crew of 28 explorers drifted lost on the ice flows of Antarctica for two years during World War One? And why does fruitcake exist? If you want to excavate through the deepest primordial interiors of the human experience, reach back into time and find the stories that connect all of us to a place where real history is woven with storytelling that brings the past back to life. Then come visit the History Cache podcast for some exhaustively researched historical narrative that just might inspire you to make your own history. That's Cache spelled C-A-C-H-E. It's History Better Than Fiction, a podcast crafted for the most curious of minds. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Okay, if we can dive into another scene here sure. and explore this a little bit more. Now, who wants this? Rachel, would you like the special job? And then we can see if Mark can identify the special job. Oh, sure. So you had the special job last time? I had the special job last time. Okay. Okay. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm Are you private? Are you texting me? I'm, or? I'm texting it private. I have made the mistake of doing it public before, and Mark quickly knew. You could just text me, text me. Uh, okay. Because I got your number. Oh, I know. Oh, boy. And now it's... It's it's all okay. Well, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna private message somebody too. There we go. Okay. You, you're not gonna even see neither of you. I'm just gonna send it to the other person on the call. Okay, I got it. Does that distinction make sense? It's a fine little gradient of a thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, Mark, would you like to start, or are you so nervous about what Rachel's about to do that you'd rather me start? I'm happy to start. Okay, love it. I think this will be good for you, Mark, especially for Mark. As you can imagine, Rachel, you may have already guessed the kind of improviser Mark is. Hey, I run a philosophy podcast for a long time and then a music analysis podcast. Like, okay, I've had you in class several times <laughs> and you might see how this exercise could be great for Mark, uh-huh. for him starting it. Hey, so guys, just uh, sit down and make yourselves at home. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I really needed to take a load off. It is so nice to take, just to take a load off. Yeah. You are so nice. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good to just not it just... It is not good. Just, it's great. Not just connect oh in the office, but like, you know, have some kind of... Show you a little my my home life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, thought you might want to come see my cats. I mean, they're hiding yeah. right now, but they'll probably come out if you keep an eye out. Me and Diane, we got kids. We got family. It's, it's where all of our yeah. money goes to yeah. that. But we know yeah. you, you yeah. don't got much going on yeah. in your life. I'm so allergic to cats. I got to see what Alan's home life is like. Where's all that money going? So thanks for having us over. Yeah, I got a charcuterie plate and I got uh, some some punch that I made. And you know what? This is a charcute. You put the cute in charcuterie. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't see the cats yet. I, I just was hoping that you don't have worry the about cats it. here to talk They're about. They're fine. They're great. They're in the garage. They're licking their butts, whatever. Cats That's are great. so independent. Yeah. Talk. Before they can, they said they would be out here. They would be on display. You talk to your cats? You talk to your cats. Who else? I mean, I I live alone. I I had just a Brucey and Frucey. And, uh, you you know, know. they, they are not people who can understand. Okay. Diane, it's okay for people to talk to their pet. I talk to my pets all the time. Yeah. People people talk to their pets. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, But I don't understand what they're saying back to me. Well, if I say get away from the charcuterie plate and they say, fuck you and they start eating the charcuterie plate then i kind of even though i don't hear them yeah, say they're, with they're their animals. mouths that they're animals so it's like food no like they, you know that's animal there is a very basic visceral communication going on would yeah. you agree to that yeah i would agree to that okay okay absolutely alan this you like this view yeah on the lake we're on the lake that's a nice view i love my family but you know they're expensive yeah you got nice. a spare room huh yeah i i like to sit there with with brucey and look at frucey doesn't like it so much she kind of like just backs away it's like the height i don't know are cats supposed to be afraid of heights i think they i think they enjoy it i think they like heights i do they, they're always climbing 
They're always up in trees and they're like, oh no, get them down. And they just climb down. Yeah. You wait long enough, they'll come down. They will. Alan, I think this is a great time talking about Diane mentioned ladies. Let's set you up. Let's yeah. get this happening. Yeah. Yeah. You're the you most eligible this. bachelor at the company. With the sweet pad. You yeah. love animals. We need to get you in a relationship. And look, you're easy north of 40, maybe north of 50. I don't want to ask. All right. But let's let's it doesn't need doesn't need to be high I'm pressure. 38. You're 38. Yeah. You think I look 50? Wow. All right. Well, I, what is age? Really? I what is it's age? nothing but a number. It's a number. That's it. And you are dignified. You are dignified. A little more salt and pepper. I always say my sister's been 40 since she was five. (laughs) I've met her. She's an all business. business. Old soul, full of knowledge that she is readily. You should date my sister. Is she? Oh, boy. Yeah. What is she like? Oh, she's great. She loves to travel. She loves animals. She loves to sail. She loves movies. She is an avid reader, like stack of books like this next to her bed. What, what what kind of stuff does she read? Everything. She'll be like, I read this book on Abraham Lincoln, and now I'm rereading the Time Quartet. Like, she's crazy. She loves it. That sounds great, Alan. What I didn't hear in any of that is I want to raise a family. And I think that's companionship out here at the Lake House, I think would be great. It's just Fru- Frucy doesn't like Abraham Lincoln so much. And I'm concerned. That's only one of many presidents. I think it's confusion about the switching of the Democrat and the Republican parties. And so it's like. I think that's you, not your cat. I think that's you. Like you're finding an excuse to remain solitary. Abraham Lincoln was a good president and the Republicans became whatever they became. Goes back to the 70s and the Southern strategy. We can discuss this. We can talk about this all night. I like talking about that kind of stuff with Brucey, but then Brucey just like puts a stop to it. Like we're trying to have a conversation and it's like I got rips down my arm from trying to talk about politics. I'm starting to think that these cats are both sides of your ego. I don't I'm not sure what that. I mean, I guess they serve us. You're manifesting the two sides of yourself into your felines. Huh. So the fact that Brucey is like a kind of a known rapist, is that a problem? Yes. I mean, it's a cat thing. It's an animal. Alan. Yeah. I just, no longer feel safe as the only woman in this room. I'm, and it's just, just you cats. just threw without letting me know your cat is a humper. Let's change the subject. I think. Yeah. Great and, idea. Great. And, idea. And, and you know, when I, earlier I'll change the subject, you don't have to scratch my arm. I won't scratch your arm. Okay. Thank you. So what'd you bring there? What's in that box? You, you, I just brought, I just, I brought a, uh, some wine and some chips, you know, I figured you know, never have enough chips or, or alcohol. So I just brought some wine over and uh, I brought Italian cookies. Delicious. I love those. It's like the flag cookies, the three Tri- colors. Tricolore, three colors. Those are delicious cookies. I, I love them. They right. got the jelly. They got the what's that? Uh, marzipan. Marzipan. Yeah. And the mm. chocolate on top. Fantastic. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. the, what are your favorite cookies, Alan? Just I can't stop thinking about the marzipan. That's I'm not allowed to have marzipan. And I've kind of wanted you to, got an almond intolerance. No, it's it's just more. Frucy doesn't like me to have marzipan. And Bruce is always like, get some marzipan in here. And I'm, it's been a point of contention. And so now there's marzipan in the house and I don't even see where the cats have gone. You're right. It could be a dilemma. Like, should I have it? Should I not? You're right. So I think I'm going to try it. I think you should set me up with some marzipan right now. And I think this will be a freeing experience. Here's three tricolores. What are these three flavors? You get the marzipan. What are the other ones? You got green. You got green. red, you got yellow. They all taste the same, but you're going to taste the I'm marzipan. Just gonna, I'm going to pull the yellow off. I, I don't want the yellow, but the others. It's the middle slice. It's all the same. It's just a flag. It's a flag of Italy. Yeah. And it's just, it, there's color. There's not flavored. Is there a historical significance to the three, the three colors, the three flags? It's not really the colors of the Italian flag. It's... Okay. That's what someone told me. I'm not Italian. Yeah. That's what someone I mean, then they would be white. Yeah. They're delicious. They're delicious. They're marzipan. That's a my very favorite. Specific, my favorite. Right? Next to a black and white cookie, give me a tricolore. All right. Yeah. You know, I could I could see a future that has marzipan in it. I, I want to just, you know, thank you guys for uh, sure. opening my eyes to. Delicious. Almonds, very, try the yellows. Almonds are good for you. Be with the yellows. Very specific thing for a cat to complain about. Yeah. 
usually it's play with me. I need water. You know, yeah. and I, I want to sit on your chest. You know, this- not I disagree with your president's political stance or this cookie contains almonds. A cat doesn't even know what an almond is, really. I mean, no, much less a processed almond paste. I guess they got the advice restrictions, the the voices, the, the telling me what to eat and not eat did become more intense after we had that whole fumigation thing. Where, uh, you know, they sprayed the wrong chemical in the house and it said it would kill anything that was in here. But, you know, it seems like it just made Brucey Frucey stronger, you know, more companionable. I'm just surprised that we're not seeing them here today. Okay. Um, I think maybe you're right. You know, like you got to listen to your intuition, the voices in your head. I think... You know, chemicals can certainly heighten or not your state of awareness. You're out here by yourself at the lake. Yeah, a lot. Uh huh. A time time alone. If I go into the kitchen, Alan, and uh, don't take this the wrong way, will I see some cat food bowls on the ground? Will I see some? I mean, they don't water bowl. They don't need bowls anymore. Just kind of get it the stuff themselves out of the fridge. I mean, I open the fridge and I take, and, and I. Eat it, you know, and then that's like that's them eating. Okay. Okay. All right. So they're like family. Yeah. I think that's probably a great way to put it. And imaginary family. And I think mm-hmm. maybe we should wrap this up. I think maybe I, I better get back to them. And I've appreciated having you over. And Brucey, say no more, Alan. Say no more. Say no more. You have been an I'm, incredible host. I'm just going to be in the bedroom just like on the way out. Bye. We'll see everyone else stuff out. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Wow, Diane, are you kidding me? Is that exactly what we thought would happen when we went over to Crazy Allen's place? I mean, they don't call him Crazy Allen for nothing. <laughs> now we've got like proof. That was ins- that was just pure insanity. I mean, I still like him though. Okay, well, he's clearly insane. Yeah. Wow. You finally break down and go to the crazy guy at the office's house. After- and rape is the third word out of his <laughs> mouth. Oh my gosh. You need a ride back to town? Meow, yes. motherfuckers! Yeah! Okay, it's over, it's over, it's over. All right. Before he can kill us, it's over. Boy, I just like, I think we've all been in those situations where it's at a work thing or, a, you know, around the theater. And there's always one person. It's like, that person's kind of strange. And they're kind of a, no one wants to hang out with them. And then someone but finally you, does. You give them a chance. And you give them a chance. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I should have listened. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to instantaneously convey in a scene that my character has dressed up in some kind of fur to come out and uh, <laughs> you have to rely on the other people to <laughs> we don't kink shame furries yeah don't don't yuck someone's yum uh-huh i hate that expression so much but, but susan I messing you can thank for that <laughs> oh gross so i was playing a little with the idea of these functional roles again of you were saying that pets can sort of act as family members they're clearly not they're not human you know, it's sort of what you use them for and the substance of something can vary quite a bit and still serve yeah. the same purpose. And I guess maybe they were in fact dead imaginary cats as- or dead children. <laughs> yeah. The Not cats at all. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, Jesus, let them be imaginary. Please let them be imaginary cats. That was another difficult thing in how to convey in the, uh, my monologue about being fumigated. Did that seem to be, an effective enough storytelling shortening device to get to make you crazy as fuck to make it clear that there are actually no cats. Because again, I could not say, Oh, there are some cat skeletons on the floor. What I can't do that myself. That would have to be something that you as scene partners would. That's what makes improv and improv technology uh-huh. as it changes and improves and changes what we can and can't do. And understanding those limitations and understanding where we can and can't go can make it more easy or difficult or, as a fun challenge to overcome. So uh, where we can and can't go again, like that line is ever changing as language is evolving right now. Like Susan and I used to love this sound from an audience. Ew. Like we used to love that sound. <laughs> like it's besides a ha ha ha. It's my next favorite sound. But now you could really have crossed someone's line without knowing it. Yeah. And people are more likely to complain about it now to be like, you were making fun of X in your show. Well, Bill will be able to tell you that in a year and a half of doing this, animal rapists have not come up 
even once before. Not so once. Not, I, I can. It's not I the top confirm. of my box of tricks. It just. Yes, that, that is correct. However, improbable scenarios do come up or improbable explanations of scenarios do come up. And what is so, so tricky is that often those things, it's cool that our mind goes there. Clearly something inspired that. Clearly something happened in the moment that we mm-hmm. all created together that Causality. suddenly made your brain come up with some convoluted series of events that caused this. And that's cool. And that's fun. And I think that's yeah. what draws us to the work. Yes. And the tricky part can be how much of that is voiceable due to improv technology and what we can and can't do, especially audio only. And then Just how much of it, we can, does it mean we should? Per, yeah, perhaps we should like presume that everyone else may have, come, have, have their own idea of what exactly has caused this thing. And we can certainly let out some feelers, some teasers. It's just like, well, I don't know. It's just it's a long story, but you know, and one of our partners react to that. And that may actually change our explanation as we go along. And totally rather than dropping a big bomb of it all. Can we let out little pieces? I often say that, like if I'm playing with somebody, I don't know, like I'm going to toss softballs so they can nail it. Right. But if I'm playing with Susan, I'm going to pull every pin. On every grenade and throw them all at her at the same time because she can handle it. She knows where I'm coming from. We have a rapport. A rapport. Uh huh. So I know some of the things Bill has complained about with the way that I approach improv or the things that I'm working on, the things I have focused to put lessons toward. I feel like a short scene should have thematic unity. And so you were very rightly, Bill, like, okay. We're done with what you were doing. Let's talk about the view and stuff. But then I have to feel the need to incessantly bring it back to the stupid cats because that was, you know, the idea that was turning into smoke as I was going through it. Yeah. Because it seemed like just merely completely actually shifting and talking about something else would have been violating some rule. No, that rule isn't real. (laughs) That, That rule isn't real. It is. Can we connect on a level and have be people who live in a world and function as such? Like that kind of thing sounds like pre-planning to me. Like this theme must be unified. It's like I must win a gold at the Olympics. There are so many other factors that you have no control of. So our scenes must be patient and thoughtful. And the byproduct of that is frequently unity, but not always. Because sometimes you discover something that is better than the first thing. Yes, the first thing you're supposed to drill down into it. But sometimes the first thing is just the first thing. It's not until the second or third thing that you're like, oh, this is the game. Yeah. Your assumption about how your psychosis can emerge. I'm going to imagine that if you went to a psychologist, psychiatrist, mental hospital, they wouldn't say, we're diagnosing you with imaginary cats. That is just a symptom, <laughs> one, one outlet of this deeper inner thing. So if we change the topic to the view, how does this psychosis emerge now? And it could certainly evolve cats. It could certainly still have cats there. And you can also... View. Sherry Shepard hates cats. <laughs> well, again, it's like... Is she on the view? I don't know. Put yourself in my shoes. I'm oh. coming to this guy's house from the office. We know he's single. We know he's a little cracked. You know, we're the only two two people that showed up and it's like, it's getting awkward. So what do I do? I have to change the subject. You know, if if I'm going to be reasonable, if I'm going to be that character, it kind of asks me to do that. But boy, that's what I mean. Like the game supplants the rules. But even though I'm changing the subject, Bill, the character is changing the subject. Bill, the actor is like, oh, let's get more (laughs) crazy cat stuff. Yes, I'm going to keep throwing shit at you. You're going to keep giving me back cats. Yeah. Well, and I even tried, you know, in asking you more information about your sister, that was my at least momentary attempt to sure. let's not make this all about my character being crazy. But then I, I just, my sister has cats. Why did <laughs> I pulled think it back up? somehow <laughs> immediately. That was not, a, certainly it's the byproduct of some of these of like, I have an idea of something I'm doing with my character that makes it sort of a very self-centered scene that in both of these, it ended up being two sort of normal people interrogating whatever this stupid idea that I had come up with. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this, Mark. Here's here's the note you didn't get. And sometimes we don't always get the compliments. We're quick to critique and not fast enough to compliment and give weight to the compliments. Well, t- tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what I did wrong and I'll fix that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, here's something you did right. 
that unfolded over the course of seven minutes, five. It was a long time. It's a good scene. A year ago, it would have been cats, 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 cats from the word go. Mm. And you would have gotten to the point of attacking us with a cat toy in 30 seconds. So to tease that out for as long as we did to get on the sister and to stay there without immediately jumping to it, you may be digging, you know, cutting on yourself or being like, man, I shouldn't have brought it back. It's like you teased it out pretty good. Sincerely, sincerely, sincerely. That is a compliment. Agreed. Thank you. And that one was discovering, you know, with your help, what the thing was, whereas the chili one, it was a little more mechanical of like, what are the things that could be innovated in the chili? Okay, there's going to be you brought up alcohol. So, okay, let's talk about the alcohol. Okay, that's homemade alcohol. What else is in it? Is there meat? Can I have genetically engineered the meat at home? Is there something comparable? Yeah. You know, so it became a sort of like, and what is with the spice? You know, I just don't know enough about chili. I don't actually cook chili to fully milk that cow. Oh, see, I would just bullshit. I would just bullshit. Now, chili, uh, you put that cilantro in, right? Yeah. yeah. To, and, to the- and the second scene? Bill's directive to me, I can only imagine would have made like your straight trajectory very hard. <laughs> well, that was the point. Just as you said, Mark, well, we kind of discovered cats to get you didn't come in with cats, did you on the, on the brain? Crazy cats on the brain. I had no idea when I invited you when I did the first line. I knew that Perfect. based on the previous scene. When Rachel started to say something and you immediately jumped in with some, like that, whatever I was going to initiate was going to be countermanded immediately. So was that the lesson? Did I guess it? There is a, an asterisk on it and it is interrupt the initiation. Mm. But however you choose to interrupt, what the person was saying is correct. It's not like mm. it's just like, hey, I was wondering, shut up, Gail. You're not the boss. Of me. <laughs> You're in prison now and I'm your warden. So shut up. Like that wasn't what it was going to be a scene. In, guys. Yeah, we love it here. Oh my God. Gorgeous place. And, and, and they can be wrong. That's just, that's just another, a lesson, another thing. It's just that like, I'm going to interrupt, but it's not to step on your toes. It's to actually like, I want to further the fact that you're bringing something in. If that makes sense, you're bringing something in and I want to further that, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have some agency over what it is that you're bringing in. I love interrupting people. It's always fun. And you can interrupt obliviously. Hey guys, I was wondering, Seven letter word for late. You know, it's like I can just bust something out, but that isn't necessarily helping you define something, if that makes sense. I want to interrupt you and interject an energy or a word or a concept, but it's all into the service of defining this moment quickly, if that makes sense. Yeah. A little convoluted. <laughs> it makes perfect sense in my brain, but I thought we did it. And as Rachel pointed out, it shakes things up up top. And if you have any preconceived notions of what the scene is going to be about, that's out the window. Has to be out the window. Overdue? Hmm? O-V-E-R-D-U-E. Bingo. Well, I didn't even think that. I just literally said that was amazing. Boy, if I could take credit for that one, I would not take credit for that. I I cannot take Seven-letter word for late. Late, yeah. (laughs) That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. All right, well, you've you've nicely laid out what the improv lesson is. If I have to stretch that there was a philosophy lesson, it's actually one that we've done in some form or another before. But the distinction between something serving a functional purpose and its actual underlying substance, that those could be very, very different. The reason that you might think that like the idealism question is totally divorced from reality, like who cares? Is this chair real or is it just an idea in my head? It's because whatever it is, it serves that functional role successfully. I'm able to sit in it. So if you're a pragmatist, which is what Bill is. What most non-philosophers, what people that don't care about academic philosophy are, it's just like, does it do the job or not? But clearly, we could delve into that in terms of what exactly the job is. My job as an improviser is to know that you are crazy or lying. Uh, My job as your character in this relationship is to give you a chance to be more of that thing. Mm-hmm. It all ties back in. Mm-hmm. I say that often, the philosophy lesson, the improv lesson. Well, yes. And in fact, the whole process of entering as a character means I'm going to serve a functional role in this scene. It is self-consciously merely a mask. And so asking, what are you as a person? Like, it's only indirectly how that filters in. I guess this is the, the question. The matrix works until it doesn't. Right. Until you run against an error in the code or whatever. Eat the blue food. <laughs> yeah. Until, yes. Presumably when you die, then we'll get to see the real world. You know, so the same thing. That's what with, Prince believed. So you could have an improv game 
where like this is the role that we're playing. But the longer it goes on, then the more your peculiarities are as an improviser and as a person are going to come in. And you're not just playing third base anymore or, or your exactly. mother. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm playing your mother, but really the game is you have much higher status over yeah. me. My character may be angry and frustrated. The actor is loving it yes. and, la- and laughing inside. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I like to say in auditions, like, have you ever been in a scene where your friend is killing it, but you aren't? And they're like, I've yeah. Been in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know why your friend is killing it? And we process that it's because you are setting your friend up to do that. And then I name it. The convention is one of the oldest in comedy is the straight man. So in an audition, if I see somebody flawlessly playing the straight man, even if they got no laughs, I'm like, they're hired. But if I see them clawing for laughter, I'm like, they don't even realize the game that they're playing. Yeah. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, in the old vaudeville days, the straight man got paid more. Yeah. Bud it's, Abbott it's got really more money hard. than Lou Costello. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to be like, yeah. what are you? I'm, I'm going to go out there and not get any laughs and everyone's going to think you're so funny and then I'm a, a jerk. <laughs> but I'm going to have to remember every position on that fucking team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you can go off and, and freestyle and roll around mm-hmm. on the floor and I've got to be back there rhythm sectioning the whole time. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I think the outcome of this one is pretty obvious. And I myself am going to vote for improv as producing the most. I found having two improv teachers, not merely another improviser, but like somebody whose bills equal on in terms of instruction, tremendously helpful. Thank you for doing this, Rachel. Oh, my God. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Super fun. Super fun. And it's great having the philosophy guests are great, too. But it's also great having some old pros on here. So, Rachel, you're not going to jump in and say the thing about transubstantiation changed my life. The philosophy was so wonderful. The It made the improv look very Catholicism small. Catholicism is stupid. Transubstantiation <laughs> is nonsense. Religion is for the weak. <laughs> all right. I think that all is directly as a result of what was said here. So it, it truly changed your life and your attitudes. Uh, but we'll call it in the improv column. A W. I sure learned a lot from you, Bill and Rachel, today. And I learned a lot from you, Mark and Rachel. For sure. And scene. Podcast. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you want to support the show and not have to hear any more commercials and get our post-game segments where Bill and I and sometimes guests will elaborate on some things that came up in the episode, reflect on the future, and share our recommendations in the philosophy and comedy worlds, you can see options to do that at philosophyimprov.com slash support. Thanks. Bankrupt. 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 Bankrupt.